forever. Dog. Hey, QWERTY Podcast listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the QWERTY Podcast. I am Gabe Gonzalez, your host, and the QWERTY Podcast is a weekly show from QWERTY and Forever Dog, where I'll be covering news, politics, pop culture, whatever is impacting the LGBTQ community, whatever you all are talking or tweeting about, uh, mad or happy, whatever it is, I'm here, we're working through it together. And I have three things I want to do on every episode. I want to invite a guest to hang out a bit. We're going to talk about the week, and we're just generally going to keep it cute. Those are my three mandates for this show. All right, that's all you're getting. That's all I'm giving. It's going to be beautiful. This week, we are going to be talking about a few headlines, including how angry drive-through customers have become a coveted demographic for Republicans, how the London Aquarium has become the cherry grove of the animal kingdom, and why it seems Ronald Reagan's aeronautical legacy will inevitably crumble at the might of a dancing YouTuber. Plus, we've got a legendary guest on today's podcast who you may know from a little show called Drag Race. She's a drag queen, an insult comic, a costume designer, a fan of references you are still too young to understand, and the meanest Latina I've seen in a caftan since going on vacation with my extended family. Season six Drag Race winner Bianca Del Rio is here, and it's going to be a delight, an absolute terror and a delight. I can't wait. But first, we have got to get through these headlines in a quick little roundup of the week we like to call Catch Her Up. We're walking at a brisk pace, okay, but it's a speed walk. I know we're all working into normal life again. Take it easy there. Our first headline of the week, Republicans are blaming Joe Biden for a sauce shortage. Chick-fil-A, whose CEO Dan Cathy donated to anti-LGBTQ causes until 2018 and once said LGBTQ activists would bring judgment from God on our nation, that Chick-fil-A is facing a shortage in their supply of sauces. The thing is, they're not out. They're just placing a limit of one sauce per customer and conservatives are outraged. Naturally, the president is to blame. In Oklahoma, Governor Kevin Stitt sent a brave fundraising email calling out this injustice accusing President Biden's radical liberal policies of taking people's Chick-fil-A away in order to attack its Christian conservative fans. I wish I was making this up. Uh, This is what his fundraising money has been spent on. Uh, And this is because companies are struggling to keep up with demand on things like sauce, ketchup, and even chicken due to what news outlets are calling a labor shortage and supply chain issues because, hey, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, right? But naturally, some Republicans claim these things are being caused by unemployment payments to help people stay afloat and not companies paying wages people can't even live on in the first place while asking them to come back to work under unprecedented circumstances. Anyway, I just hope Americans can get more than one sauce soon. It's definitely one of the most pressing issues, and I am glad Oklahoma's governor is putting it front and center. Crucial. Crucial. All right, our next headline of the week. A London aquarium is highlighting its same-sex penguin couples, and this year they've got not one but two same-sex female penguin couples, one of whom have already successfully raised an adopted egg together. Uh, It's majoring in some sort of vague arts degree at a liberal arts school. The couples, named Marmalade and Chickpea and Marama and Rocky, are residents of the Sea Life London Aquarium and have spent their time doing what most same-sex human couples do before anticipating a child, hanging out a lot preparing their nest, and gifting each other pebbles. They follow in the webbed footsteps of queer penguins throughout the globe, including two penguins in the Netherlands who are known for stealing eggs from other penguins. They're both males. As well as a pair of female penguins in New Zealand named Thelma and Louise, who are entering a decade together and have mystified zookeepers who don't know how they fertilize their last egg. Uh, I think that's a mystery they can hold on to. These penguins will likely adopt any unwanted eggs as breeding season approaches, and once hatched, they will nurture the babies for more than a month before enrolling them in a progressive private preschool where the drama teacher makes them do Happy Feet the Musical every year. 
All right, our third headline, and we've actually got four this week, one extra than usual, but I promise we're getting to Bianca. I know you all are waiting on bated breath. Our third headline of the week, Jojo Siwa has signed and endorsed a petition to rename Ronald Reagan International Airport after her. And I need someone to send me the link immediately. I would sign. The airport named after the former president is in Arlington, Virginia, but so far over 55,000 people, as of this recording, have signed endorsing a name change themselves. You may say openly queer star and YouTube influencer Jojo Siwa is naming an airport after her appropriate? And I would say you're asking the wrong questions. Here's what I know. Jojo Siwa has never tried to fund a coup in a Latin American country. Jojo Siwa never coined the phrase trickle-down economics. Jojo Siwa's cabinet did not include people who dismissed the HIV-AIDS epidemic as a gay disease. So my question is, if we've got a Ronald Reagan International Airport, why don't we have a Joel Joni Siwa International Airport as well? Which is perhaps similar to the question posed by the petition created by a Jojo Siwa fan that simply reads, why on earth is there an airport named after this war criminal? (laughs) I love her fans for being blunt. And finally, our bonus story of the week. This is breaking news the day of our recording. Actor Billy Porter has come out as HIV positive in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter this week. The Emmy Award winning actor who plays Pray Tell on FX's Pose and will star in the upcoming Cinderella movie spoke about the shame he experienced since zero converting and why that shame made him feel like he had to hide his status for 14 years. I was the generation that was supposed to know better, and it happened anyway, Porter said, detailing that he didn't so much feel fear about someone disclosing his status, but shame it had happened in the first place. A shame perpetuated by a lot of moralizing and harmful stereotypes that persist in our media to this day. But Porter also took the time to reveal that playing a character who's HIV positive on Pose allowed him an opportunity to work through the shame, and took the time to highlight how after years of trauma, he's learning to enjoy the accomplishments that he's making today. It's difficult, but a necessary journey for him. Uh, So this is really exciting news. I'm obviously very excited to see more of Billy Porter all the time, whether it's in a hat, a gown, in a movie, on TV show, I'm down. So thrilled for Billy and thrilled about that good news. Uh, And you know, now now that we've ended on a a high note with the story, it's time to move on to our guests just to even things out, right? (laughs) Our next guest is a lovable grump, a 2020 QWERTY nominee, the winner of season six of Drag Race, the clown in a gown herself, who is soon going on tour on a tour named Unsanitized. I'm very excited about being Bianca Del Rio is here. How are you right now? I'm great. How are you? I'm enjoying all the headlines. I have, I've, I've been in a fog the last two days, so this is nice to catch up on the world and know what's going on. So I, I enjoyed it. If anyone enjoyed it, I did. Oh, fantastic. That's good to know. So I take it you haven't been booked at the London Sea Life Aquarium for a gig yet? No Not residency yet. there? But you know me, I'll do anything. Penguins. You know I'll do anything. I mean, <laughs> shit, I'm doing this podcast. You know me. I'm happily I would know, do right? it. I'm glad you're slumming it this week. I had to take advantage, truly. It's not bad. <laughs> no, th- listen, I think we've all been slumming for a year. It's this thing now where, you know, I, I never thought I would want to do podcasts or be involved with podcasts because I just thought tech-wise it was just too much to involved. But I think if this past year has shown us that we can run the world from our homes. I mean, it's pretty f***ing wild what we've all accomplished with Zoom and, and podcasts and OnlyFans. Fans. I mean, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> we have yeah. we have grown as a community. <laughs> Hell, we can get an airport named after us from our homes. This Let's is like do new it. times. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> Let's do, do it. it. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely. No, but I'm with you. You know, I do I do a lot of live performance and comedy too, and it's it's kind of wild. But it is, it's, you know, you've had to get creative with ways to get out there. We've seen a lot of digital drag shows as well and stuff like that. But I'm wondering, are you kind of transitioning back into the swing of live performance lately? I know you're going on tour in a little bit, but are are you kind of in the process of like getting back up on your your feet out there? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it's been an interesting year. There was a lot that was planned in 2020, and obviously sure. things took a turn. So things just kept being pushed back. And, you know, it, like everyone else, I just assumed it would be three months, six months at the most. And here it is a complete year later. So even as of this week, uh, some of the stuff that I had planned has been moved again. So fingers crossed. As of now, I'll be hitting the road in America in the, at the end of September. And um, there's a huge event called uh, uh, the main event that I'm doing with another group of queens in July in the UK. Okay, we'll be doing Birmingham, we'll be doing London, we'll be doing Manchester. So according to the ordinances and the lifts and the levels, we're hoping that it all happens. So, I mean, I'm just looking forward to it. I'm trying to be as prepared as I possibly can be. But, you know, there is no guarantee. You just don't know, you know, with the current climate. What is it, two days ago or three days ago? They're like, CDC's like, we don't need masks anymore if you're vaccinated. So I think the message is a little clouded. So I'm hoping we can all get on the same page in America and we can hopefully soon party like Australia and New Zealand who did it right in the f-ing first place. Yeah, seriously. Like, they, they managed to film a whole season of Drag Race. <laughs> they did! Before we could get our thing together. Like, damn. No, not even that. Yeah. I mean, they're all now, you know, naked, dancing to Chromatica uh, in clubs, <laughs> eating Oreos, living their fantasy. And I hate every one of them for it. But it just shows that, you know, America's a hot mess. You know, everybody's got too many rights here. Everybody feels that they can't follow <laughs> rules. You know what I mean? It's no, like, truly, you know, yeah. I, I can't wear a mask. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And it's like, just can follow along so we can b- get back to some form of normality. You know, not necess- it's never going to be normal, but I right, think some yeah. form of normality is important. Yeah, there's something so surreal to me about the phrase honor system being uttered oh. with government policy. I'm like, what? Like, bye, what? bye. <laughs> yeah, what? it's true. It's like pleasant and drag queen. It just doesn't yeah. work. You know what I mean? No, it doesn't. There you go. No. Absolutely not. No, you know what you're paying for when you pay your taxes every year. We it's know true. what we're getting into. <laughs> uh, well, if, you know, if drag queens actually pay their taxes, that would be nice. You know, that's, that's a good thing. I pay mine. I have no choice. I'm old. <laughs> that is the one consistent good piece of advice RuPaul has offered every year. Uh, yeah. I've heard it quoted several times over many seasons pay your taxes so well completely it's also tricky because you know in america we have a different set of rules so you know uh when i did drag race the the prize is a hundred thousand dollars but in the end i think i can't i get confused all the time so it's either i got in the end forty eight thousand or i got fifty two thousand one of the two where a half of it goes to taxes but in the uk when you win prize money well they don't win it for the show but when you win actual prize money on a show in the uk you get all of it so america is really unfair that you lose half your money but it was still, yeah. you know, 42000 or 48000 whatever it was, 52000 48000 more than I had. So I was grateful for it. Yeah, they don't tell you that much. That's like that's like what your outfits will cost if you go on an All-Stars. Damn. Well, that's not mine. Not <laughs> mine. <laughs> I wear the that's same true. dress in every color. Not me. No, no, no. I'm not pulling stunts. No. Let the kids do it. Let the kids do it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, okay, so we're we're talking about a little bit of how, how you've adapted to like the technology today and sort of you yeah. know what touring life is like for you post Drag Race. But I want to rewind a little bit, if I may. I'm not going to sure. specify how far, but okay, I'm going to rewind a little I, bit. <laughs> look, I've been around a while. Go ahead. Yeah. So we had uh, we actually had Coco Peru on the show a while back, and she was talking to us about having to you know kind of get creative with finding ways to promote her live shows pre-internet and in the '90s. And you're a stage performer as well. You kind of came up in that scene. You're an insult comic, and the internet says that you started doing drag in the 90s, I'm assuming. So I'm, I'm wondering what 
kind of launched you into doing live performance in drag? How did you promote yourself and get your name out there? And how did you kind of find these monstrous like-minded beauties like Lady Bunny and Sherry Vine? Like, you know what I mean? What was that kind of journey like and promoting and trying to tour back then? Well, it was a different world. I mean, completely. Can you imagine a world with no cell phones? Imagine a world with no internet. It was really, really different. And I've often said the gay scene for me, when I started, I started as an actor just doing theater and doing costumes, wigs and makeup. So I kind of had the, the the makings to be a drag queen. Uh, but it didn't happen to like 1996, I think, is when it actually started for me. And, you know, we lived in a different world. When you told your friends you were going out, you were going to meet them at 10 p.m. You met them at 10 p.m. There was no phone. You had Maybe you had a beeper and you had to go to a pay phone to call them <laughs> or to beep them and let them know you're running late. But overall, that's what it was. And there was very few spaces for drag performers. So the gay bars, obviously, was the one place that we could, you know, perform and, and be with an audience and also like cap, small cabaret spaces. So that was our world. So when people entered that world, it was, you know, a different time. No phones, as I said, people were drinking and it was the one safe place that we had, um, which is kind of where me, maybe where my, you know, sarcastic sense of humor comes from because I'm dealing with drunk people on a Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that was kind of the world. Even gay men were, were, you know, hateful towards drag queens because it was considered too feminine and it was also considered, you know, you're a different kind of gay if you're a drag queen. Now it's celebrated. So it, it's it was a completely different world. And I, I'm about, I think I'm a good maybe 10 years younger than the Bunny, Coco Peru, Varla Jean Merman, Jackie Beat group, but I knew of them. And that was, you know, obviously before YouTube, but they would come to either our towns or any local place that I was at and we'd get to see them perform live. And what I respect and admire most about them, especially the Coco Perus and the Bunnies and well, really all of them, is that they were doing exactly what they're doing now then and still funny, still relevant, still brilliant. And I, I have to say kudos and, and hands up to all of them that kind of paved the way for us to perform. I mean, they showed me that you had to have a show. They showed me that you had to get on the road. They showed me that you're not too good to play any place or anything. And I respect that. And, and the fact that they're still doing it now to this day, I go, you know, that's to me, that's drag, you know, that's, that's perseverance. And that's a real legend. Cause you know, I've often said we use the word legend too easily now. <laughs> but those are people that really kind of made it happen. So the challenge was just getting the word out. You know, we'd had little flyers and we would go talk to people and we had to schmooze and get out on the road. And that was a different world. Now it's just click, click, click. I'm on Drag Race. Come see my show. So it, it, it's a different world, but I'm grateful that I had that time and, um, and, and know these people and I can actually call them friends, you know? I love that. Yeah, you had to schmooze to kind of um, promote your show. So you put yeah. in enough time of being charming. You have earned being curmudgeonly. <laughs> well, it's, well, no, you know, <laughs> well, the weird thing is that, you know, it, there was just a time where I, I it wasn't necessarily an act that I created. It was just mm -hmm. I was the filler. I had to cover time for people. Um, so I, whether I was doing bingo or hosting the drag show and covering costume changes, my setup was entertain them till something better comes along. Right. <laughs> so oh, I've been that there. was, Oof, yeah. you know how it is. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was where it all began. And imagine drunk people at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday night in New Orleans. I mean, that is a challenge. So um, that's just kind of where it snowballed for me and doing it weekly and night after night, it just became who I was, which is why nowadays um, in this woke world and cancel culture world, I just can't be bothered with these children because I refuse to have some child tell me what I can and can't say or do because they don't agree with it. Go f*** yourself. You know, it's like I've, I've been through it. This is who I am. And I'm not changing myself, nor do I care if you like me. <laughs> That's you can't you can't worry about that.
Well, sure. And I think, you know, what you're talking about, I think with live performance before pre-internet, it's people are there for the full experience. They understand the context of what you're saying, right? And I think sometimes with the internet, things can be, uh, you know, become bite-sized or taken out of context or the headline. Or no context at all. Exactly. No context at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand, yeah, it's got to be a very different experience, kind of putting your work out there, being like, oh, God, okay, well, yeah, it's different. Well, and also just you have to come to a place where you go, well, this is just what I do and understand that everyone not going to get it. Everyone's not going to like you. And I I always say that to the younger, well, not younger, but just any drag queen that's been on Drag Race that will ask advice about business and game. And there is this thing where I say there's a difference between an actor, a drag performer, and a reality star. Rarely do you possess all three. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's a tricky, it's a tricky game, but you know, something, you can be a brilliant performer and Drag Race didn't work out for you. You can mm-hmm. be a brilliant actor and it doesn't make you a great drag queen. So it, it's a tricky game that you're playing with, but also be true to what you want to do uh, and, and say, hey, this is what it is. And it comes with good and bad, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of right now. Yeah, it's like people are constantly adapting, but you got to lean into the good with the new stuff and just write it out. It's yeah. Sure. And and I think that, you know, the your audience will find it and your audience will like mm-hmm. it. And the people that hate you will continue to hate you and they will look for things to rip you down. I mean, I mean, that's the gay community. Let's be honest. They put you on a pedestal, <laughs> then they take you down. You know, and, and as you were talking about Billy Porter earlier, I mean, mm-hmm. I know Billy Porter from New York and mm-hmm. I remember seeing Billy Porter in Greece in the 90s. And yeah. then, you know, there was a long stint for him in between that and the success of Kinky Boots. And I met him during that time. And it's that kind of thing where you go, I'm happy to see somebody excel or get the credit that they're getting now because I'm going, he's been putting in the time all these years. So to other people that think, oh, it's an overnight success. No, that man has been working for quite some time. And aside from that, he's also very talented. But it's that game where I go, that's great to see him succeed. And I go, kudos, 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 you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that too, when, you know, I think you hear an interview with somebody that's known for something, but the person interviewing them maybe knows them for something else. Like I think it was uh, listening to an interview with Peppermint recently, mm-hmm. and they knew Peppermint from like their music in the New York scene yeah. and had never seen Drag Race. And like, that's yeah. great. And that's what's so interesting about the kind of talent I think is sometimes drawn to that show. Like, you know, you look at you, for example, and it's like, what brings somebody from this kind of style of drag to a show that maybe doesn't feel like that? And then how do they kind of shift and morph that experience into something that, that can fit their style, right? Yeah, well, you know, it's a risk. And I, you know, uh, my scenario was I, and I've often said this, is that there was two things that kind of pushed me to do it. Once I was hosting an event and Willem and Sharon Needles were there and they were both nasty, rotted to me. And I thought, (laughs) oh, okay, well, you know, this is hysterical Uh, because I was older than them. And I just thought, oh, God, what douchebags. So that was one thing. Also, I had seen a lot of my other New York friends, well, not a lot, but a a handful of them go on the show and achieve huge success. And they're not that talented. So I thought (laughs) if they can do it, then I should go do it, you know? Um, And I mean, I'm friends with them, but they'll be the first to say that as well. You know, they'll go, yeah, well, I took a chance. So for me, it was like I was 37. I turned 38 when we were filming and I just thought let me take this chance I'm ready to quit drag at 40 it's been a good 20 years at that point would be it would have been 20 years at 40 um I thought let me wrap it up I don't want to schlep to each bar every night and do this it's like I've had a good run and then I just took a gamble and you just don't know how it's going to turn out you don't know what's going to work for the audience but for me it was just a great platform and as soon as it hit I knew what I was going to do well actually I didn't know what I was going to do I knew what I wasn't going to do it wasn't going to be music videos it wasn't going to be an 
album. It wasn't, I wasn't going down the path that other people have gone. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I think in, um, you know, in many years that I could use my experience in drag and just run with the opportunity, you know, and, and that was the take. So I, I was grateful for all the bullshit and all the gigs I had before Drag Race that made me appreciate the opportunity even more. Yeah, absolutely. You got to cut your teeth someplace before you you get hated <laughs> on on reality TV. So <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, you know that's the thing is that you, also if it plays, if some people it plays in their minds, and I have friends you know that struggle with the fandom. I personally don't care. I can't care. I didn't grow up with it. I didn't grow up with social media. Uh, I mean, um, so therefore, I'm not influenced by someone not liking me. It's a phantom person I'm never going to meet. Good <laughs> luck. Yeah, tweet you all go. you want. Tweet, tweet, tweet <laughs> all day until I find out it's actually my mother tweeting. But it's <laughs> it's what it is. You know, you can't you can't. I mean, truly, if we sat down and listened to all of that noise, I mean, where would we be? I don't think any of us would leave the house, pandemic or not. <laughs> I know. Imagine, imagine just hundreds more critics than ever before. But oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, the, the old saying is that, you know, uh, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Yeah, it's, t it's typically that, you know? Yes. So, yeah. And some are a little more puckered, a bit more sour than others. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now sounds like a good place to take a little break. When you come back, I have a few more Drag Race related questions. I do want to talk about your tour, Unsanitized. And then we'll have one more little segment I like to call Queerly Beloved, which I'll explain when we get there. But let's take a little break right now and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the QWERTY Podcast. You probably just heard my voice, but now you're back, and I'm back too. Um, I am your host, Gabe Gonzalez. I am here with season six winner of Drag Race, insult comic and drag queen extraordinaire, Bianca Del Rio. Extraordinaire. Extraordinaire, yeah. right? It depends on who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> God forbid I abuse legendary. Not yet. Oof, you got another decade like left. <laughs> well, no, I just go, I haven't done anything. You know, that's the whole thing. I mean, I see drag queens, you know, doing documentaries and calling themselves legendary. What the f*** have you done? You've done nothing. You did a reality show, queen. Some of you didn't even win. What does it matter? <laughs> like, 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 give, live a life and then come back with a story. Mm. There's people that there's people I want to see a documentary or 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 a, a legend. I would say share. I would say Liza Minnelli, not some stupid from season whatever on a show. <laughs> I just I go, you've done nothing. Well, but, I yeah. think that's what's what excited. I don't know if you watched the most recent. I know you were talking about this with Adora bit on Instagram watching seasons of Drag Race and it's tough, but I, I don't know if you're familiar with Tamisha Iman. I think that's what made her, the audience really respond to her because you've got a queen with this amazing legacy behind yeah. her, right? And uh, here she is on the show. And I think people really responded to that in a way that was really encouraging and surprising, I think. Well, what I also think, was, which is interesting, I mean, because I, I don't know anything about the casting of the show, mm -hmm. but honestly, between our season, which was six, and this current season, I mm -hmm. don't know if they've even had anybody that had been around, with the exception of maybe Nina West, where sure. you had a seasoned queen. And mm -hmm. I think it helps because it shows all sides of drag. And I think it's important to put the seasoned queens in there with the baby queens, because there's a lot of them now who, I started drag, you know, by watching Drag Race. Well, that's great, but I don't need 10 of you. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not in charge of casting, so I'm all about Tamisha coming in with experience yeah. and a different take on it you know i mean there's moments that i just go what the f was going on i don't <laughs> yeah. know what's going on with her network i don't understand it but i do follow <laughs> her and i find it completely amusing but yeah. um in the end i think it's a great mix i think it's important because you know when you go mm -hmm. around or when i grew up I, what i loved most was that we had young queens we had the mm -hmm. dancing queen we had a singing queen we had the comedy queen you know we had the trans performers which is a huge part of the drag world as well so all of that was represented and we were this huge 
melting pot uh, on a Wednesday night in New Orleans. That's to me what drag was. All were welcome. All got to perform. Um, So, yeah, I just wish I just wish that you could see more of that in the Mm -hmm. world, you know, because there's no right or wrong way to do drag. I just think we should just all whoever wants to wear a wig, wear it, celebrate, do it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I have a couple of uh, drag race related questions left for me. This one is very specific. So you were on season six and you didn't have to lip sync a single time, right? That was like, that was the the thing that everyone was like, all right, she's, she was killing it, right? But that also means you got to see a lot of queens from the back. Mm-hmm. So I am wondering who from your season, if you can remember, was the most impressive lip syncer from behind? There's two. There was two. There was <laughs> yeah. two. Darian Lake and Trinity yes. K. Bonet. And these were two people that I, uh, let me tell you, I was fearful every episode because you know you go in, you don't know what's going course, on. You don't yeah. know what's happening. So I thought if I was stuck up against them, I'm going home because they are truly lip sync assassins and i i respect people that do it well and those two right there by far the best that i've ever seen from behind and from the front but it was uh and that this is what's so funny is that when we film the show and we do confessionals the first time the first time we're watching it i thought oh well we're obviously going to be here for the shot and then we'll move and we'll get to watch no right. no that's it we literally <laughs> only see it from the back and then you in <laughs> confessionals and they go what'd you think of it I guess it was good. Right. I don't know. Um, so yeah, those two in particular were were by far my favorites. Yes, definitely. Yeah, Trey. I mean, both I, I think are like fan favorites. I would love to see both of them come back. I know there's some rumors about Trinity Capone right now that yes. excite me. But yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers yeah, crossed. Truly, one of the most thrilling lip syncers I think that show's ever seen. Brilliant, really and also just a good person. A good person. Great story. Great journey. I mean, you know, I we started out butting heads in our season, right. and then we we totally clicked after. So it, I'm just happy, you know, from either one of them and Darian is doing so well right now mm-hmm. she's lost all this weight and you know getting her life together and, and through this pandemic I've seen her just shine so mm-hmm. uh, she's doing absolutely wonderful and she's one of the performers because it's me Courtney Adore and Darian that will be mm-hmm. all together in uh, London this summer so I'm looking forward to seeing her oh that's exciting oh yeah. and right after Race Chasers covering your season two people are oh, going to yeah. be <laughs> tweeting about it I know you're going to love that yeah. yeah I just did a, I just did a, a, an interview with Willem about it it was very funny because you know th- everybody has this idea of what it was like and now since it's been i mean it's seven years actually today is seven years since i won but oh wow it was eight years ago we filmed so uh, it's testing my knowledge every now and then i have to take a minute and go okay let me think back you know but every now and then it's a nice reminder no of course i mean i think back to the person i was when that season came out i had just moved to new york i was and i would not want to hang out with me back then so no, that's really okay good. Know, yeah <laughs> yeah well no the tricky thing is that i just don't remember like episode to episode it all becomes a blur but also True, drag yeah. race has uh, you know f- there's been many moments in my life that become a marker and mm-hmm. one you know obviously something like 9 11 was a marker in my mm-hmm. life and then a uh, hurricane katrina was another marker in my life because i left new orleans and moved to new york and then it was like drag race has been my marker and the latest is pandemic so we have these i mean not not to put drag race in the same category but i mean i always go was that before drag race or was that after drag race i mean you are sequestered against your will again so i think the parallels are there right yeah yes completely (laughs) um and the last one i am sure you've been asked about this but i gotta do it there have been rumors for what feel like forever about an all winners drag race season, right? <laughs> Alaska loves stoking this flame and she is sure. she's eager to get back into it. I listen to Race Chaser sometimes too. And you know, folks like Jinx have responded as well. Would you 
go back? Would you go no. back for something like that? No. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm going to tell you this. First of all, would you go back to high school? No. Oh, God, uh, it yeah. was a lovely experience. And I, and I had a great time. And listen, to, to be very honest, I'm appreciative of the platform. But also, I'm being I'm going to turn 46 this year. And I'm like, you know, I don't. It, it's a completely different show at this mm-hmm. point. And that's not knocking it. It's just saying it's a completely different show. Um, therefore, I don't know if I'd be interested in doing it. I don't think I'd be any fun in doing it. I don't want to spend <laughs> $50,000 on costumes to try to prove a point and never wear them. You know, it's just, it doesn't fit with what I'm doing in my sure. life. And I'm grateful for the platform. So I don't want to sound ungrateful. Mm-hmm. But I go, you know, for someone like Jinx, it's brilliant. You know, she was, what, 23 when she did the show. And if she wants to go back now, wonderful. You know, at 30, good for you. I personally just don't think it would be fun for me. Now, if you put us in a house and do Big Brother and we could be <laughs> nasty and hateful, sign me up. But as far as the competition, uh, it's just not my cup of tea. And there's people that that really, you know, are super fans of the show and, and someone like Alaska, it made sense. You know, she had gone, she'd gotten so close her season and then she wanted to go back to prove herself. So I think it's an amazing platform, but mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if I'd be interested in doing it again. And also, how do you compare? How do you compare all of us? We're all different and we're all chosen for different reasons mm-hmm. on our seasons that uh, I don't know if it would be fun. Fun for me is the good word. Fun. No. I love that idea about the Big Brother house, though. Oh, you that gotta, I would do. Yeah, You got to get a pitch deck together and get over to the WoW Presents basement and let them know. Oh, uh, well, I've already, I've already <laughs> said it. So let's see. But <laughs> it's one of those things where I just go, it, it, it's a different show. And and, and honestly, I, I, you don't rob a bank twice. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I got away with it. Uh, I'm good. Yes. I'm not interested in going. But let some other go into debt and go in it and then cry. That's just not me. No. So I, I, I love it i survived it it's it's kind of like camp i got through it but i i don't know if i'd be interested in doing that format i should mm-hmm. say that format again yeah. no no a pragmatic and gracious response there you well, go well it is rare, I mean, it's, just, rare. It, <laughs> it's just it's just honesty you know and no, i true, think no. I, you know there's some people like i said with jinx or, or someone like bob who was young when they did it i'm like go back live your life you know someone like aquaria who's 20 it's like go girl like that's perfect i personally would, would not have any fun <laughs> i feel like if bob came back and did one split everybody would be like oh my god like that's, yeah. you know what i mean that's yeah. just you got to go back and do your one thing you got to be valentina come back and complete a lip sync and then Th- you're you go and, and then you've journey. completed yeah. the task and you've exactly. won them over yeah and then uh, my favorite redeemed. is when my favorite now is that you know no matter what season it is when you're doing the actual show and you know everybody's like she's gonna win she's gonna win you know as everyone does and then when they don't win everybody's like oh, well she's always got all stars like wouldn't it be so nice if everything could be solved with all stars like you know i've got a rash oh don't worry you've got all stars it's like that's gonna cure everything so let the people that want to go back and do it do it i am not one of them no (laughs) i love that all right i'm sure they'll find a way to sneak you into something somehow yeah (laughs) yeah stay tuned stay tuned (laughs) yeah all right so before we wrap up the show with our last little segment um i've got one more thing to ask you about as if we have not been through enough the past year and a half you are going on tour we talked (laughs) about about that earlier (laughs) completely well (laughs) you know as we were saying you know we've been home and there's been a lot to talk about and 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 you know 2020 in general was a wild year going you know i think we all assumed that with a new president that the world's just gonna go and we're back to a better place i mean we're we're slowly going there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so I was excited to go on the road. Obviously, this was planned before pandemic, and it just kept getting pushed back. So with my schedule, I'm, I'm grateful that I get to go into America. So I'll be doing American dates. Obviously, more dates will be added later for other countries and other places. But currently, I start in September, and I'm just ready to get back on the road and spread my hate, you know, to talk about all this shit. 
that everybody's been experiencing. And I just thought the best way to go about it, I've been saying that, you know, hopefully you're vaccinated because the show yeah. is unsanitized. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, I just want to be back in a room with a group full of people laughing at myself and the world we've been looking at and all the craziness we've been going through. So it's been a wild ride because I haven't stopped since Drag Race uh, by choice, you mm -hmm. know, just still going and also very grateful to get to work. So uh, this past year has been kind of interesting for me to sit in my thoughts, <laughs> which can be really good or really bad. <laughs> yeah, so <right. laughs> we will see in September uh, when I hit the road, but I, I'm just looking forward to it. And then also after after the, the tour, I'll be going to another tour. I'll be uh, in oh, the musical. Wow. Everybody's talking about Jamie that oh, I did in the West End uh, mm -hmm. the past two years, but now I'll be on the tour in the UK. So I'm excited for that as well. So it, if that's a sign that things are opening up and moving mm -hmm. in the right direction, I'm feeling extremely hopeful. I love that. If you see a latex glove on the unsanitized tour it is not for health reasons <laughs> not Let's at all make that clear Great. it's because it. i'm a kinky that's yes! why yeah, yeah. <laughs> on tour terrorizing your country soon you know it you know it all right bianca i have had so much fun with you thank you so much for coming on i have a one last thing i would like to ask of you sure um this is a little segment we've played on the show before we have some rotating games or segments as i like to call them and this one is called queerly beloved oh god and in this i'm going to ask you to sort of eulogize a trend or a person or a place uh that was once popular long oh. ago but is no longer maybe something oh, that's gone out of favor something that is not used and my youth Maybe my ah, youth. Be, <laughs> I mean, yes. honestly, um, oh, let's see. What has fallen out of favor? Well, you know, yeah. obvious things. Obvious things would be the Trump or, or well, we're not done with him yet. But in the end, you know, to see the fall of that was amazing. Uh, Kardashians are ending, but we, we talk enough about them. What would be considered something I could, um, I mean, oof. Ooh, I mean, could we do Sherry Pie's career? I mean, honestly, ah, that, oh that was... Can we pixelate one. words? Can yes. we? <laughs> I mean, honey, that is crazy pants. Oh, um, man, but, that was horrifying. But yeah. um, let me think, what would be a good thing to get that, that's that's leaving us? I guess, I mean... In the past, we've gotten like, um, you know, a, a sensible heel, a two-inch heel was eulogized oh, on the that show. That would be nice. Yeah, that you know would be what nice. I mean? Some, something that should be in trend now, but is gone too soon is basically... And just, we just need three reasons why it should be back or should still well, be around. What should be Well, you know, the one thing, well, I didn't wish this, but it's so amazing that it is back and it's kind of, the trend is happening, but it's the, mm -hmm. the J-Lo situation <gasps> with Ben Affleck. And I'm like, you know what? This takes me back. Now, listen, I mean, J-Lo can go anywhere and have anybody, obviously, because she's f***ing amazing and gorgeous. But there's something about this that makes me feel like, oh, this is a good moment. You know, like if J-Lo, if, first of all, if somebody cheats on J-Lo and gets rid of her, I mean, I'm like, okay, none of us are safe at this point. But <laughs> she's going back with him. And I'm curious to see where this goes. So I'm grateful to see their romance. Relive. I don't want to see a movie with the two of them. But I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this is kind of great that they've, th they've kind of started this and bringing it back, which is making me very happy. You know, that I'm like, all right, this is a good thing. I don't know why, because I really wouldn't care about rich celebrities. But in this moment, I'm like, that's a good thing. Don't you feel a little nostalgic about it? Yeah, I kind of love it. There is a comfort to it. I love yeah. this. It is both a, a eulogy and a celebration of birth. It is well, coming it is. back into our, it is. Yeah. Yes. I mean, come on. She's J-Lo. She can anybody she wants. Oh, but in sure. this scenario, I'm like, you know what? She's a good She's going back to somebody that made her happy. So every time you're drunk and you're going back to text your ex, 
It's a good thing. J-Lo's made it okay Wait, for even us. Even the most successful of us have done it before. Of course. You have the tightest ass and the best skin, and you're still going to go back to Ben Affleck. So. No, but that's a, that's a good thing. It's almost like, you know, when, when Meryl Streep did Mamma Mia, she made it safe for us to like ABBA. You know, you're yes. like, all right, we, if Meryl did it, we can do it. That's a yeah. good thing. So, yeah, I think it's, a, you know, we, we need to celebrate these these moments, and she's bringing it back for us. So kudos to J-Lo. She took a shitty situation and is making it better for all of us. That's a great, I love that. We're bringing back Benefer. It is a comfort. Yes. It yes. is a, a balm in these trying times. It and is. it's honestly the most relatable J-Lo's been, I think, in about a decade. So that's, well, I mean, yeah. g- girl, I want to know what she's doing with all these rings. I mean, she's got about 10 engagement rings. I'm not mad at the as I said, you know, she's one of those people I look at and go, who's doing her work? Who's mm-hmm. making her look this gorgeous? Because, I mean, she looks amazing. She could have anybody, but she's going back to an ex. That makes me like her. That's, it's human. It's human yes. nature. I'm loving it. Yeah. I will say the Puerto Rican in my family always keep the rings and then melt them so they can break them in half for their daughters. They're no! Just, I'm keeping it. It's mine and I'm giving it to my kids. Of course. Oh, well, I think yeah. it's great to keep it. But <laughs> I did not know that you melt it. That's pretty genius. That's oh, pretty yeah. Genius. My grandma yeah. had two daughters and she was like, I couldn't possibly pick, which I, we all know parents can, <laughs> but she, you know, she melted that in half and gave one to each. She's great. She's pragmatic. I love that. I love yeah. that. Practical. <laughs> I enjoy yes. that. I enjoy it. She's taught me a few things. All right. Well, Bianca, that's sadly all we've got for today. And it means it is time for us to say goodbye to you. And I'd like to know, I mean, if you're listening, you don't know where to find Bianca. Like... <laughs> Seek assistance, but I have to ask you, Bianca, where can people find you these days on social media or off, preferably for you, it seems? Yeah. <laughs> well, any information uh, is usually thebiancadelrio.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as thebiancadelrio. The reason why I am thebiancadelrio is because there's someone else with the same name. Long story. But in the end, <laughs> everything is thebiancadelrio. And uh, as I'll be hitting the American states uh, soon uh, in September doing a show. And in the UK, I will be there in July as we were saying it's called uh, the main event. That's what it's called. Yes. Main event. And it's a lot of our girl groups. So it's ABCD, me, Courtney, Adora, Darian. And um, and then there's also all the other girl groups. So we're there for three nights, which should be fun. And then I'll be on the road again in the UK with uh, Everybody's Talking About Jamie, which you can go to everybody'stalkingaboutjamie.co.uk for ticket information as well. And, oh, oh, and also I have a new podcast. I've been doing a podcast for the past few months and um, it's out every Thursday. It's through Starburns Audio or basically wherever podcast can be found. You can find me on there. Awesome. That is so exciting. Thank you so much again, Bianca, and keep your eyes peeled for the Unsanitized Tour and uh, the main event if you're in the UK as well as all those amazing projects that Bianca just mentioned. And if you're listening, please make sure to support the QWERTY podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review again wherever you get your podcasts. There's so many options. And you can get your QWERTY fix every day and read more about the headlines we talked about at QWERTY.com. QWERTY has been a joint production between Forever Dog and Q Digital. QWERTY is hosted by me, Gabe Gonzalez, produced by Andrew McGuire, engineered and edited by Shireen Lani Yunez, music by Gabe Lopez, executive produced by Joe Silly. Brett Boehm, Alex Ramsey, Scott Gatz, John Halbach, Dan Tracer, and Melissa D. Mons. Forever!